Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to this talk on CTA and 3D imaging in the traumatized patient. And this was from my recent 3D meeting, ran in Baltimore and Las Vegas, and so this lecture is Hot Topics, May 2007. We're going to look at the role of 64 slice CT in the evaluation of the patient post-trauma. We're going to look at some of the imaging techniques that are necessary to optimize our 64 slice scanners and the role of CTA and 3D in the post-traumatic patient. And we're going to look at some of the um, clinical applications, but what I will focus on for 95% of this talk will be CT angiography in the post-trauma patient. But let's make a few comments in general about trauma. And I promise you that I'm going to come back to some of the abdominal trauma and thoracic trauma with a different talk at a later date. So in terms of applications, certain things are obvious. Musculoskeletal trauma, especially patients with gunshot wounds or stab wounds, are ideal candidates for CT angiography. Similarly, head and neck injuries, particularly stab wounds or gunshot wounds where carotid injury is suspected. These are ideal cases for CTA. And routine abdominal trauma, thoracic trauma, particularly when we're thinking about vascular injury, MVAs in the chest, for example, you're worrying about aortic trauma or dissection, or abdominal injuries, again, would be ideal candidates for CT angiography. Now, there have been several articles published in terms of um, using CT, and here's a good article, I thought, that makes some very nice points. Our evaluation of the current trauma literature suggests that considerable information provided by rapid and thorough CT scanning of acute blunt trauma patients, whether the results are positive or negative, outweighs the costs and risks associated with an increase in technology utilization, and that under current practice, a negative CT after blunt trauma results in a significant decrease in admissions. So, you know, very, very important. So CT really is not just another study, but as we all know, it's a study that has major impact. So in saying that, what's its role in the patient post-trauma? Well, if I just show you a couple of abdominal cases, in terms of renal injuries, here's a subtle laceration in the patient's right kidney, this perirenal space blood present. It's a small laceration, but again, with cortical medullary phase imaging, those lacerations are very easy to see. Of course, we know you need excretory phase imaging if you want to look at extravasation from the renal pelvis or collecting systems. We can see in this case viatrogenic trauma, perforation following ERCP and sphincterotomy, extensive air around the pancreas, air around the right kidney, air which tracks downward to the right lower quadrant. We also see fluid around the right kidney in the peri and pararenal space. And the one thing we have learned over many years, the amount of air in a perforation is important, but usually doesn't mean much because air gets resorbed quickly. It's when you see fluid that's problematic, and particularly fluid, as in this case, tracking down to the right lower quadrant is problematic. Those patients often have stormy courses, often eventually this fluid needs to be drained, so it's something that we really need to be looking at carefully. So those are two good examples of trauma in the abdomen. I did a talk recently for you guys on neurovascular applications and spoke about the carotids, and I mentioned now that carotid imaging Vascular imaging of the neck is important in patients with gunshot wounds and stab wounds. And you can see contrast extravasation of the right common carotid in this example. And you can see very nicely the 3D rendering showing you exactly where the carotid has been lacerated, exactly where there's contrast extravasation, 
shown nicely in an oblique reconstructed view and also shown very nicely on these 3D reconstructions uh, that are shown here or here. And again, the importance of all of this in terms of the trauma patient is indeed critical. But as I said, these are the topics I'm not going to have time to discuss today or we'll be having a four-hour lecture. Rather, what I'm going to focus on is something that we started doing some work on last year. It was something that interested me, and it's something that will be in radiographics a few months from now, which is the evolving role of CT in trauma injury. Now, we had a good conclusion in that article, which says that whether the injury be a stab wound, a gunshot, or an MVA, a CT scan combining visualization of injury to bone, muscle, and vessel seems to be an ideal way of limiting radiation dose by decreasing the number of studies performed, i.e. eliminating plain film, CT, and then a conventional angiogram, not doing them all, just doing the CT. So again, one of the things we all are concerned about is too much radiation, but a way around it is doing a single comprehensive study that answers all the questions. So in saying that, let's just look at some of the rules that I think about when I do trauma. Okay, so here's some of my thoughts. If you're doing aortic trauma and it's a chest, do a gated study. Nothing to think about. For upper extremity trauma, a saline bolus is helpful to diminish artifact related to dense contrast material. Uh, another way of doing it is to dilute the contrast one-to-one -one after a certain point and inject uh, with a dual-headed injector. For most cases of suspected vascular injury, a single phase in the arterial phase is necessary and all that is necessary. Again, one could argue about late phase imaging and will you sometimes see extravasation late that you don't see early. I guess that is potentially true and occasionally we'll do two phases. Most of the time we'll stick with one phase, particularly when the first phase is negative. And from a protocol perspective, scan protocols should use the thinnest collimation to allow for the best 3D imaging and the fact that we may need multiple reconstructions of a single data set to look at bone and look at soft tissue and to target down on areas. So for example, you might do a chest CT and need to retarget down in the aorta or other vascular structures. I mentioned the point about contrast delivery because there are many articles uh, written and many questions I get from CT is us. If I'm injecting and I want to look at the arch or SVC, inject in the left arm. There tends to be less artifact with the left side of injection because uh, it, the left uh, subclavian has to cross the midline and so this tends to do uh, create less of an issue as things enter the SVC. When you have a right-sided injection, things go directly into the SVC, and as they back up at that point, you get a very dense artifact. You also can use saline flush, so in an example like this, we see no contrast in the patient's right axillary vein to the subclavian. Often it's a saline flush, so a lower volume of contrast followed by a saline flush, or a rapid bolus and then you slow the bolus down and you go one-to-one -one saline and contrast may be a good solution. Again, what you want to do is eliminate the issues like this case where you see very dense contrast in the patient's subclavian and superior vena cava and that can cause significant artifacts. Also, the another comment you might make from this case is as we see so much contrast in the patient's axillary vein and subclavian vein, we're probably wasting a lot of contrast. And so one thing that the saline chaser does do 
is make better use of the contrast material. So again, something to keep in mind, particularly in patients with borderline renal function. Now, in terms of post-processing, when we're doing trauma, it's an ideal situation to do what I speak about with um, looking at the different tissue types, from soft tissue to bone to vessels. And if we do rendering, as in this example, you can see the muscle and superficial vessels, and then the 3D rendering, changing the parameters to show you bone and vessels. And here I'm changing just the lighting model to show you the differences in the accentuation of the vascular structures in the forearm, or this example where I'm showing you how we're able to change the parameters very nicely, simply by adjusting the volume rendering. So one of the things to recognize is our capabilities are very impressive. We have all sorts of things we can do to accentuate pathology and bring it out, and in difficult cases, really allow us to make the correct diagnosis. If we speak about arterial injuries with CTA, what are we looking for? Well, we're looking for often active extravasation of contrast. That's what you typically think about. You can see pseudoaneurysms. You can see rapid cutoff of a vessel. You can see lack of opation of a vessel. You can see loss of opacification of a segment of a vessel, and that's because of vessel spasm, or you can see an AV fistula. Now, in terms of trying to find all these pathologies, there are pitfalls. Poor injection rate, of course. Artifact present could be an issue. Uh, poor timing. You scan too early, you scan too late, the patient's moving. An artifact is typically related to dense metal that is present like a bullet. And I'll just show you some examples. If you look at this case, the question I ask is, is the popliteal artery patent or is there occlusion? Now what you're actually seeing here is you're seeing a bullet giving significant artifact. But still, how do I know there's no occlusion? Maybe the occlusion isn't near the bullet. Now, here's another example. We show the popliteal artery and its branches very nicely shown. But there's no bullet here. So what do I need to do? What can I do? Well, there are many things you can do in terms of post-processing. But I think really, in this situation, you look very carefully. And when you look at all the images, you can see the artifact cuts across the entire image it gives that blur which wipes out part of the popliteal vessel. And when you look at the axial images in the sagittal display, you see that black line. That black line cuts right across. That is simply artifact. There's no issue. There's no doubt. Now you can play around with some of the data sets at times. We could do this where we bring the vessel into proper perspective. But again, most of the time it's understanding what the artifact is and how you can get around it. Or in this patient, same thing, gut shallow wound, lower extremity, the patient's in a, a soft cast, vascular injury seen. Well, what about that um, superficial femoral to popliteal? Is that occluded or not? Well, it becomes critical. I mean, it needs to be known right now. Again, the same issues. You can see the bullet. You can see the artifact it's creating. And when you look through all of the images in different planes and perspectives, you just know that that is a pseudo-lesion. You go back, you look at the axial images, you can see the impaction. Uh, if there was active extravasation, you might see it better at times on the axials, just because you may have rendered things incorrectly because of the metal being present. But in this example, we see the fracture of the femur. We don't see any evidence of extravasation of contrast. We see artifact. Now, how comfortable can you be? Well. 
Here's an example with gunshot wound with fragmentation of the tibial plateau, but in this case you do see extravasation, and yes, there's artifact present, but look at the extravasation seen in 3D and 2D display. That's very, very obvious extravasation off one of the branches, off the popliteal, one of the trifurcation branches, in this case the perineal, but you can see very nicely how it's easy to visualize. Again, there is a significant difference in appearance between the two. So metal is problematic, but it should not ruin your study. So I would not worry about it. Uh, we do lots of things with metal. We could change the color code of metal. We use this range of presets for that. And you can see this patient got shot with a staple gun. But you can see how nicely we've color coded the, uh, the metal blue. And so even though it does create some artifact, it's still very nicely visualized. But again, it doesn't work in all cases. Now in terms of the literature, the literature has been very strong. You can see if we go back in time, let me show you a few articles. 1999, diagnostic performance of CTA for major injuries of large arteries is high. That was at the four slice level, and then we go to 16 slice. CTA is now a reliable technique for detection and characterization of traumatic arterial injuries. This suggests CTA will be an alternative to conventional angiograms. And then you go forward to 64 slides, 2006. MDCT angio provides significant and reproducible technique for the detection and characterization of arterial injuries to the extremities with a high degree of quality and vascular delineation. And that MDCT has the potential as the initial method in patient evaluation with suspected arterial injury. And in most cases, unless you're going to do a therapeutic process, will be the only study. And just a recent article, now this was only a four slice, sensitivity at CTA 90 to 95% and specificity 98 to 100% for detecting arterial injuries. So even uh, an article published more than a year ago still has incredibly good results. So I think we are doing a very, very good job in that regard. Now, why don't we take a small break here? I need to get a drink, and they'll come right back. Thanks very much.